0: I think we're only like two two three chapters away or something from the end of the book but uh she's right that there there is more. There is more. Amen. Good. I like cliffhangers. I go home and I'm like crazy. Uh you know, that encourages me for cliffhangers just so you know. I'm I'm still young and spiteful, you know. Amen. Oh, I um uh, actually actually I I uh I actually try not to do too many cliffhangers, but sometimes it just, you know, I'm tr- I try to not preach for an hour and a half every message, you know. It's, uh, I, sometimes it's hard to to, to to bring it in, you know, find an ending point, you know. Um, but we left off last week with the infamous words of King Agrippa, you know, uh, you've almost persuaded me to be a Christian, right? That's where we left off. And uh, Acts, let's, let's pick up right at Acts 26, 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. Look at the respect and character he still had. He said, but speak forth uh, uh, the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, wherefore whom I uh, also I speak freely. But I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. Where this thing was not done in a corner. I mean, everybody knew about Jesus Christ. Everybody knew about the crucifixion. It wasn't, it wasn't some strange doctrine that Paul was teaching that they didn't know about. Verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then, King, then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Brother Shine, would you open us in a word of prayer, brother? That is some of the saddest words in all the Bible. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Second to, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Hmm. Continue reading verse 29. And, and Paul said, I, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. And he thus spoken, the king rose up and the governor and Bernice and they sat with them. I've only got two points this evening. Point number one is God's view. God's view. Look at verse 31. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa and Festus, uh, This man uh, might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. This text right here shows a couple of things. One, that Paul was guilty of nothing. They couldn't find him guilty of anything. It was just a bunch of hearsay from a bunch of legalistic uh, religious folks. In fact, the only thing that Paul could be accused of really is pointing out the apostasy in the legalistic rich, uh, uh, religious folks. Uh, I guess they were a lot of them were rich too. But uh, it, So one shows that Paul was guilty of nothing. Two, it shows that God's ways are not our ways and God sees what we don't. Uh, there's a song I want to learn that, that, that goes to those words, and I love it. It would. Agrippa said himself, if he had not appealed to Caesar, he could have been set free. No doubt the rumor mill and the gossip train was running, and people heard. That you know Paul would have been set free if it weren't for him appealing to Caesar it doesn 't say anything about that, but um, I could about guarantee you that, that that was the case and people were, and Christians were probably upset at Paul for appealing to Caesar, knowing that he could have been uh, uh, um, uh, set free at, at any given time it had already been two years. We know, looking back through the lens of Scripture, right, that God put Paul there, right, to protect him from the Jews. He's writing literally the word of God that we have today. God used that on purpose. But Jews back then, or or, I'm sorry, Christians back then would have been looking at that saying, this is so unjust, this is wrong. Why did God allow this? Why is Paul doing this? Is, Is Paul not thinking clearly with his head? Not knowing the whole time. Now, the Jews were just waiting to kill him. He stepped out of the prison. Man, they're going to jump him and get him, and they would pledge their lives to it, right? Which is why we don't jump to conclusions when we have a little bit of information, right? It, Democrats, Republicans, right? Uh, students in school, the employee to the employer, we get a little bit of information. I mean, oh, man, Miss Aaron's the worst teacher because she gave that kid detention for no reason. Right? right. That's how, that's how, that's how they go. 1 John 2.19. We should probably be there. 1 John 2.19. Here's a perfect example. Not everyone that claims to be saved is saved. Look at this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would uh, no doubt have continued with us, but they went out. They might be made manifest that they were not all of us. There were members in biblical times that, that had joined the congregation. They, had, they were there for worship. They may have given offerings. They may have given tithes faithfully. They may have been part of everything that the church did, every activity, uh, the entire time. But all the while, they were never born again. People don't always come to church to get closer to the Lord, right? Right? Sometimes people are looking for job opportunities. Remember Amway? You know, I know people that would go to a church and stay a while till they couldn't sell anymore, and they go to another church till they couldn't sell anymore, go to another church. I've known tradesmen that do the same carpenters or electricians that go to a big church. They friend people. Really? I'm serious. Uh, salesmen selling Kirby vacuums. People do this kind of thing. Not everyone that is of us is of us, right? Just because somebody says they're saved doesn't mean they're saved. Sometimes people are looking just to be catered to, looking for a support system for themselves. There's there's a, there's a gentleman I worked with, and I wonder if he's still alive today. I've got his number. I should call him. Pete was his name, and uh, probably the most bitter man I've ever met. We had many lunches together. Uh, we're. road rage you've ever seen um i i I started driving to lunch uh he um he was so bitter and he and he hated god he hated everybody he had a rough rough life and yes i had ulterior motives and i told him that i said i want you to get saved and everything i said but but let's just table that for now i I want you to get saved i want you to know the lord i said let's just set that aside for my intentions I said, Pete, if you go to church and you get plugged in, there's a circle of people that will help you. I said, yeah, I want you to eventually get saved. But if you just set that aside, there's, there's a knit group of people that are there to support each other. There's benefits being in the family of God. People might come in the church looking for those benefits, might not even be saved at all. We don't know the heart. God knows the hearts. It's not for us to judge. We ought not be pointing to people saying you're not saved and you're not saved. That's not for us to do. Our job is to love on people and do everything we can for them. But just because people say they're of the church doesn't mean they're of the church. Amen. I said all that to say this, to get, this is where I'm trying to go with this point. We have this concept of the word antichrist. And as soon as we say antichrist, we're thinking in times the antichrist. I mean, I do. Every time I hear the word antichrist, I'm thinking the antichrist. I I think we're all trained, if you will, right? presupposed to do that. It's just what it is. Um, go to 1 John 2.18. 1 John 2.18. When you hear the word antichrist, it doesn't mean always just the antichrist. If there's ever a question of when the last times began, it actually clarifies it right here. First John 2.18 says, little children, it is the last time. Guys, it's been the last, we've been in the last times for, uh, what, 2,000 years? I mean, we're in the last times, right? That's not a debate. And, and, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, this is 2,000 years ago, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. What does it mean to be Antichrist? When I was a child and we would read that verse, I would actually think there was a lot of people claiming to be the Christ back then. And you might get one or two here and there every couple of decades or something. But people, by and large, aren't running around saying that they're the Christ. But even in those days, there were many, many Antichrists. So what does it mean to be Antichrist? It means to not accept Christ Christ. But who he is. These are harsh things to hear, because we're used to not saying things so directly, but to not be of Christ is to be Antichrist. It's just what it is. Turn to um, Matthew 12:32, Matthew 12:32. You are antichrist. If you're partakers of the unpardonable sin, and you say, "Well, what's the unpardonable sin?" Well, that is to be antichrist, to not to, is to not accept Jesus Christ for who He is. because to not accept Jesus for who He is is to not accept the saving power of the Holy Ghost. That's the unforgivable sin. You're not you're not accept salvation. Matthew 12, 32, And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And I remember in high school with some kids in the locker room talking about uh, just blaspheming. There's a verse talking about blaspheming the Holy Ghost, talking bad about the Holy Ghost. It's not accepting the Holy Ghost for who he is into your heart. That's the unforgivable sin. To accept the saving power of Christ is to not accept it's unforgivable. In fact, to deny Christ is antichrist, which is the unpardonable sin. And I am 100% certain that there were born-again believers at that time in Paul's day who were frustrated with Paul because he appealed to Caesar because the surface information appeared that Paul was not where he was supposed to be evangelizing to the world, which is why we should never... Make quick assumptions as to what God's doing in any situation. I say, Pastor, you're jumping. Stay with me. Stay with me. We take a little information. And we go a long way. Just because somebody says they're saved doesn't mean they're saved. You you, you you meet somebody. Don't don't get engaged in a week, in a month. It's not wise. It's not. It's just not wise. People put their best foot forward. That's what it is. Uh, Joining a church. Don't join a church after the first week. People do that. That's not wise. Yeah, I want people to join. I I, I love that. I'd love 100 people to join on Sunday. But you know what statistically is going to happen? Majority or all are going to leave in a short time like that. People that make quick decisions, guess what? Make quick decisions. Some people job jump, amen. Sometimes that's the only way you can get any money. Us guys that don't have any education, amen. But some people just job jump like crazy. It's also a good time to bring up gossiping. Sometimes people stir up trouble in the church based on very little information. Can you believe the pastor got t-shirts that don't even fit us? Yeah, I mean, you could, right? Can you believe the pastor got a TV up there? Oh my goodness, what's he planning to do with the TV? He's modernizing the church. Can, can you believe the money that he spent last year? What are you spending it on? I haven't seen it. I'm only there once every two months, but I haven't seen what he spent it on. Did, 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 let alone that person that would complain about all those things, right, would say if they found out, can you believe the pastor spent $35,000 that wasn't, didn't even come in for the year? I mean, that would just go f- crazy in the rumor mill, right? Having a little information, right? You, you don't, you be, that's, but that's what we do as people, don't we? I'm sure Christians were doing the very same thing with Paul, frustrated that Paul was still in prison and not understanding really what was going on in the big picture. You know, um, more often than not, when there's a problem, whether it's as a dad to my children or in the office with whatever's going on, it's because they only heard a little part of it. They only know a little part of it. And you know, anybody that's dealt with people That's often how people jump to a conclusion. They go five miles in that direction before they really looked at both sides of the story from any political point of view. And believe me, I got my political point of views. But that's what we do as people. People were doing that back in Paul's day. Amen. Acts chapter 27, verse 1. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners Under one named Julius, a centurion uh, uh, in the, sorry, I I was trying to check the clock while I was in the middle of reading, that wasn't a wise thing to do, speaking of unwise, (laughs) I lost my spot, amen. A centurion of Augustus' band, entering into a ship of uh, Adramidium, we launched meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristocus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica being with us. Notice here, let's just hone in on this fellow Aristarchus for a moment. He's with Paul on the boat. So so, so point number one tonight, we have a clear picture of God's view through Scripture. In biblical things. We have a clearer picture. I'm not going to say we have a clear picture because we just can't see what God sees. But we can see clear, oh, that's what God was doing there. And by all means, we ought to have enough faith to say, hey, God's doing something in our lives. And if we would just trust him, God knows what he's doing. Number one, God's view. Number two, Aristarchus' view. Say that five times fast. Amen. So who is this Aristocus and why is he even mentioned? We have time. We're doing really good. Um, um, keep your place in asks. Go to Acts 19.29. We're just going to hit this quickly here. This Aristarchus fellow, I mean, we're here to study, right? So let, we'll take the next 15 minutes and we'll study. If we have a mindset of study, if, uh, if, if I try to start a rough job and I have a mindset of not work, I am miserable. But if I have a mindset to work, I can't relax and watch TV. It's all in the mindset, and my wife knows that more than anybody. She knows that if she wants a picture hung, let me know before I get home and take my shoes off. I'm still in a work mode, because once the work mode wears, wears off, amen. Is she just amen really loud? <laughs> amen. This is Aristarchus. He's mentioned five times throughout the scriptures. We're just going to hit those five times real quick. We, we just saw one. He's with Paul in the boat. so We got four other times. Uh, Aristarchus, he was found faithful. He found faithful preaching in Ephesus with uh, another the other disciple named uh, Gaius when uh, an angry mob in the city led by a bitter swordsmith uh, that, that came upon them in anger. They wanted him to stop preaching. They were upset because their preacher man was messing with their money-making, idolatry uh, workshop, basically, that they had in Ephesus for the, uh, was it um, something of Diana, the goddess of Diana? or am uh, saying that wrong. Yeah, goddess Diana. Diana. Uh, Aristarchus was there. He was right in the thick of it. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Aristarchus was found faithful to Paul on a missionary journey by boat immediately after being threatened by an angry mob to stop preaching the gospel. Man, they hopped down a ship and moved along. And we read it it right here, Acts 20, verse 4. They're accompanying him into Asia, uh, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, oh man, and Gaius of Derby. And Timotheus and Avasia, uh, Ty- Tychicus and Trophimus. Rachel's dying back there, I'm sure. Paul was, or Aristarchus was with Paul during these times. There's so much more that was happening than just Paul. It wasn't just Paul. There's a whole lot of Christians out there serving God, preaching. There's people that are helping Paul. Can I say, church... But sometimes it feels like pff, it's just our little whole Baptist church in Romulus. There's a lot of other churches doing a lot of other things. There's a lot of people fervent for the cause of Christ. This, this is our world over here. And, and we're, we're growing the, the, to, to the best of our ability. We're trying to grow spiritually. We're, we're trying to reach our community to the best that we can. We're bobbing and weaving with COVID. We're trying to, we're trying to do what's right. With us and a group of people. And I think we're doing a great job. I'm encouraged by it. But there's so much more than us out there. And that ought to be encouraging. Colossians chapter 4 verse 10. I should tell you the address before I go on a rant, huh? Colossians chapter 4 verse 10. Aristarchus, he was found faithful sitting in a prison cell for preaching the gospel with Paul. Look at this. Colossians 4 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you. He's a fellow prisoner with them, And he goes on to name uh, other folks. He's sitting there in prison with Paul. We don't hear much about this fellow, but he's with them throughout all this journey over here. Look at Philemon 24. Oh, that's going to be hard to find. Philemon. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James... Philemon 24, Aristarchus, he's referred to as a fellow laborer by Paul himself. He said, he's listing them off. He's saying, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. What an honor that is. You know, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be able to hear from Aristocus and Demas and Lucas. And all these, Marcus, we're going to hear from these guys. They're going to have their own stories when they were in Ephesus. And uh, Aristocus is going to tell us what it was like in Ephesus and being pulled into the theater and him and his buddy Gaius. Man, it's going to be wonderful to hear those stories personally. You say, what can we learn from these five mentions of Aristarchus? Well, we as Christians, we can be faithful in ministry with a full zeal. For Christ, even when we don't get the praise that we think we deserve. Right. You know, someone who's always looking for a compliment is always looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. Always. Always. All. You know, Aristocus is a real man. Right. He wasn't looking for a compliment. Yeah. We don't hear much about Aristarchus. Do you, you guys know who Bill Gaither is? Sure. If, you, if you watch any... A uh, piano quartet type singing on, on the TV. It's like ninety nine percent probably Bill Gaither's behind it, or it's literally him orchestrating it. He, okay, filter. So Bill Gaither, uh, Southern gospel world. He's he's like this guy. He's he's the man in the bluegrass gospel world. Nobody's probably heard Doyle Lawson. Okay. Dora Lawson, you got the, 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 the bluegrass gospel world, amen, you know. Uh, when me and Rachel started dating, I would have been on the Dora Lawson side. and not, I'm not exaggerating. This is not like a joke. And Rachel would have been on the Bill Gaither side. And it was literally like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. You guys know that reference? He was the, the church guy, right? Just the, the extreme stereotype church guy. Um, our biggest argument in life was which gospel music was better. And it would grind us. (laughs) Oh, my. Bill Gaither is not a great singer. People think he is. He's just a normal person. He's just a normal voice. He he can sing and he can hit the noise, but he doesn't have a great uh, span. He's just a normal guy. But he surrounds himself with great singers and the best singers He's part, and he puts himself in there with his door lost in the same way. He's not a great singer. Like if you heard him sing by himself, you'd think, ah, I'm not crazy about that. But he surrounds himself with great singers. Uh, you watch Shark Tank, and I've heard him say a number of times, you, know, you don't have to be this smart person, but you surround yourself with smart people. And, and it'll, really, it'll really help you financially, right, in a financial sense. But that also goes in any other thing. It's practical advice Surround yourself, you want to be a musician, surround yourself with some good musicians. Really, you know, you you, you want to grow and be a godly Christian, surround yourself with some godly Christians. Quit hanging around that old crowd anymore. Paul was surrounded by some good godly folks. Aristarchus was one of them. And and every time I say it, I have to force myself to get the extra R in there because it doesn't seem like it goes in there. Amen. Turn to Romans 8.28. We'll close with this scripture in a moment. Amen. Paul surrounded himself with, with, with men that, were, that have, had a fervency for Christ. They wanted to be faithful. They were not looking for a compliment. They weren't looking for encouragement. They just wanted to serve God. And they said, I'm going to serve God no matter what. No matter what this guy says about me. No matter what he says about me. But also, what they don't say about me. I don't need to hear how great I am. I'm just going to serve God no matter what. Paul's imprisonment only made sense from God's point of view. Because if we were there, and I, I, I feel like if we were honest with each other, we, we'd be upset. If, if we were in Paul's day, we as a church would be mad in a firecracker that Paul's in prison. we done been praying about it, we're, we're upset about it. You know, why is Paul in prison? He's doing all these good things. We, we want to have him for a revival I mean, He he was going soul winning with us. So much more got done when Paul was out of prison from our eyes. Not seeing God's point of view. Paul couldn't see, foresee what God was doing. Nor could any other Christian at that time. Can I close and we'll read the scripture by saying this, that we would be so much further ahead mentally, spiritually, maturing if we would have an Aristicus point of view. As in I can't see that what God's planning from my perspective but I can certainly trust that he's in control in spite of what I think or I see or I feel. Aristarchus Didn't know how it all was going to all play out. None of those guys did. Marcus Fleeman and all the hard names that I just butcher and Rachel cringes every time. She can say them all. I I can't. They didn't know how it it was all going to end. We don't know how things are going to end. Things might take a turn government-wise, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm in the hot seat, you know, uh, publicly preaching, right, for whatever, we might say preach a message on homosexuality, and that gets on the Internet. Boom, cancel culture, shut down. We don't know what the future holds. I expect something like that one day. It might be in two years. It might be 20 years. We don't know. If I had a dollar for some, every time somebody said, do you think we're in the end times? Yeah, we're in the end times. Been in the end times since then. We can be found faithful without knowing what the future holds. Amen. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's us. And whom he called, them he also justified. That's us. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's us too. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Man, we serve a God that's wonderful. We don't have to know what the end is. We don't have to see God's point of view to be faithful. We can just be faithful. It doesn't mean we're not going to be pulled into a theater and get beat down. We might be put in prison a few times. It might happen. But if God before us, who can be against us? Let's close. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I love you. Help me, Lord, to draw an eye to you as a pastor and as a Father, and as a husband, and as a friend, and as an...